Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Everybody, Pastor Mark here with the very first message of the year. And I know a year ago, many pastors stood where I st- I'm standing now, and I bet you they gave their people some words of encouragement and hope looking into the year 2020, but none of them knew, none of them realized what this year would entail. And even if they did and they told their people, I bet the people wouldn't have believed them. They would not have believed the upheaval we've experienced here in this last 12 months of our life. At the beginning of last year, I remember um, unveiling and sharing with you four focus areas for us as a church. Um, areas where I believe, areas where I believe God would have us to go and do and be. And those areas were uh, life groups, uh, celebratory worship, uh, to be a house of prayer, and to bring leadership to our young people. And we put up these big banners, remember, in the sanctuary, these big banners with each one of these goals on them, which for the most part have been uh, stay up there unseen by uh, most of us because we're not in the, the building. However, we still focus on these areas and we've had to do it differently than we thought, but we've been able to still push forward. Um, life groups, for example, life groups have always been a staple part of healthy, growing churches. Um, we still have been able to meet together through this digital means, and it's been really fantastic, really, because life groups are a place where we can build community together, even online. Life groups is probably the, the one of the key, or if not the, the, the main area, where we grow spiritually in our relationship with God. Life groups, life groups give us the opportunity to share our stories and to ask questions and to share the needs we have. And it's a place where we certainly laugh together and we pray for and with one another. And we mentioned a lot last year that verse found in Proverbs 27, 17, where it says, an iron sharpens iron. as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And that's kind of like the theme verse for our life groups. We need one another. We are better together. We are sharper together. We help one another. And I have pastored in my life four churches before coming to this great one. And my testimony is this. Life groups played not an important part, but a essential key part in the growth and the effectiveness of each one of those churches. And I can testify lives were changed and lives are being changed. That's why we call them life groups. So for the next few weeks, I want to offer to you testimonies from people you know in our own church family, how life groups have impacted them over this past year called 2020. And I want to give them a chance to share with you. So I'm going to start right with my our friend Sam. He is the chair of our elder board, a great guy. And I know Sam's been very much impacted by life groups. So I'm just going to share this video with him. Watch this and hear how he has been changed and helped by being part of a life group. That's great. So I appreciate Sammy doing this because I know that you've been very encouraging for life groups. You're my first one, my first guinea pig to see how (laughs) this works or not. Like, can I talk about Sunday morning prayer? Oh yeah. Prayer start as well. I consider that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a big part of my, you know, my growth and 
Well, Prayer Start has been awesome. Uh, it's just so great getting together with like-minded people first thing in the morning on Sunday before the service. And we get a chance to talk and to share what's on our minds and on our hearts and then uh, go to prayer um, for our prayer group, for the church, for our community and for what's happening in the world. Always encouraged with uh, the people that are there and especially Glenda's leading She's uh, wholeheartedly committed to our group and she's a great leader. Do you think like, I know when I grew up in the church, when I heard any invitation to come in prayer, I got nervous. Like I, I'm afraid of praying. I don't particularly feel comfortable praying out loud. Of course I got over that. I wouldn't be doing the job I do now, but did you find that an issue or, or if you did, did you overcome that? Or do you think people should be nervous or how do you describe that prayer start time? Yeah, I, I really think it's a process and I really think, being nervous is a real thing. Public speaking is a real thing. Praying out loud, thinking and praying at the same time, all that stuff and feeling like, you know, if we never get started, we'll never get on the path to uh, to pray, praying publicly and praying with each other and praying for each other. And um, yeah, overcoming that, I think, is, uh, is a big deal. And I, I just love hearing about what God's doing in people's lives and, and sharing um, our prayer requests with each other. Um, and just, yeah, it's, it's really good. Now I know, and you're part of the Thursday night men life group as well. And I feel like for you, it's been a very important time just to be with other men, talk to other men, laugh with other men, uh, like open up, you know, with what's happening in our lives. Describe to me what that's been like for you having being part of the Thursday night life group with men. Well, I have to start by saying, you know, it's, it's a little bit of, just a, a comedy sometimes and we just have so much fun uh you know what what's uh well we share in men's group stays in men's group but it's uh it's usually a lot of laughter and you know we share from our hearts we share from you know experiences and we we help each other we uh we care for each other and we're building great friendships together for sure it's amazing because I made friendships with with one guy and we've never met face to face. And but I really feel like he's a friend of mine. And, you know, we've we've uh, we've opened up uh, to each other and to the group. And I think that's uh, pretty amazing. And, um, you know, and yeah, just getting to know guys uh, kind of a little bit better. It has been really good throughout this time, listening to each other and listening to verses that are coming up to different guys and how much they're impacting them. Um, it's has been wonderful. I really, uh, it's been a real growing season in the midst of all the, the pandemic and, and everything that's been happening in our world to, to grow closer to God and to each other has, has been amazing. It's amazing because sometimes something is on somebody's heart and you're feeling and thinking the same thing and hearing somebody else start out talking about it, it allows you to go, oh, I'm not crazy. I'm actually thinking the same thing. And it's, uh, it's great that there's uh, confirmation that way that we're, we're on kind of on the same wavelength and, and kind of thinking similar things. And um, yeah, it's, it's encouraging. So I want to remind you, if you're not part of a life group, tomorrow night at 7 p.m., we're going to have an informal gathering together online. And you'll find the link on our webpage. You don't have to be prepared. You don't. You just have to show up. And I'm going to give us a scripture. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we're coping. So please, you know, 7 o'clock tomorrow night, push the button, become part of a life group. The second thing was celebratory worship. 
There was life groups and celebratory worship. And I like I like putting that word celebratory in the front of worship because it reminds us what worship is really all about. It is about celebrating God and what he means to us in our life, what he will mean to us in our life. When we offer worship, we're celebrating who he is, what he's worthy of receiving. You know, music is such, especially the worship through music, because music is such a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful gift we have received. But when you couple the beauty of music with the wonder of praising God, something incredible happens. It goes beyond the beauty of the music into this realm of supernatural and wonder because you're coupling music with an awesome God. It's just overwhelming, powerful. Celebratory worship exacts a response from us. We cannot remain un, un, you know, unchanged and still we must respond when we're, when we're talking and singing about God. Worship compels us to focus on him. We must make it all about him. And when we do that, something wonderful and awestruck takes place among the people. So my sister-in-law had a friend who attends the Catholic Church and grew up in the Catholic Church and would probably go during the important times of the year, but maybe not really experiencing that close saving relationship with with God. And anyway, she didn't really know a lot about the worship music that we use today to uplift God. And this person was going through, um, I think, a sickness. And my sister-in-law and, and gave her, made a, a, a playlist of these worship songs. And so this lady would be walking downtown in Toronto, listening to these songs, which took the beauty of music and coupled it with praising God. And, and she would say to my sister-in-law, as I'm walking, I felt like I needed to do this, raise my hand. Why is that? Well, we know celebratory worship has to respond to the glory and wonder of God. Celebratory worship wants to humble ourselves before Him and lift Him up. It evokes us to raise our hands in adoration. I am so grateful we have a, a worship leader in our church named Manuela uh, who helps keep us focused on worship, though she's a mother and a teacher and a wife and an advocate for so many others. She's available to us to help us to know and hear God better through worship. And this pandemic has changed uh, almost all the logistics of how we've been worshiping in the past. But we did not give up. <laughs> we we adapted, we moved forward, we failed and we failed well. We learned how to do church service online because God is so worthy of us coming together and lifting our hands in praise to him. Um, the third thing we talked about is a leader for our youth. Uh, if you gather a large group of Christians together and ask them this question, how many of you decided to follow Jesus before the age of 18? I guarantee you the majority of people will raise their hand because most Christians come to follow the Lord before the age of 18. They make that decision. And if that's true for you as well, the chances are some church somewhere and invested in you and your life. And we want to be uh, the church that invests, invests in lives as a church did in, in your life. So we launched Divine Kids this past year. I mean, went so well under the leadership of Dryan and Liz Sloges, but the pandemic has sidelined at least the in-house meeting part of it. 
Um, but we're, we're still carrying on and, and we're very close to hiring a youth leader to minister to our youth because we know this is an important demographic for uh, in, in, in the world today. Most people will make a decision to follow Jesus before the age of 18. So we want to be part and invest in the lives of those people. And the final thing, the fourth thing is that we'd be a house of prayer. Now, Sam mentioned prayer start in our video chat. We call it prayer start because we start every Sunday with prayer before anything else. And you can join us. You can go to our webpage, hit the prayer start button. And at 915, you'll see a great group of smiling people who just love to be there and share. And we want to pray for our service. We want to pray for what's happening because we know that this message of God is what every single person needs. Everybody needs this. And we know unless we seek God and include God, that we cannot be a church of God and for God. And so we begin in evoking him and worshiping him in prayer. This past year, we plan to hold some prayer summits. These are church-wide prayer meetings that are just awesome. But we've had to, again, sideline those plans. However, we did something recently called a prayer processional where we gathered in our cars and for an hour we drove around the city of Niagara Falls praying for it together. It was so good. And so many of you said, let's do it again. Let's do it again. So we're planning this. January is a busy year, but I think as of now, we're planning for January 23rd to be another Saturday morning where we gather together in our cars and social distancing and we'll get some directions and we'll do this prayer procession around the city of Niagara Falls praying for it. As we stand at the beginning of 2021 and, and we now peer into the coming months and what lies ahead of us this year, I want us to look back and see how God carried us through a very tough time. We've been able to focus on these areas and, and we've been adapting and carrying through because more than ever, people need to know the Lord. And God has helped us with that. As we look into 2021, I want us to know and realize that God has a road for us to take, a road for us to travel as Christians and as a church in these coming months. And these, this, his road always leads to the other side. I want to begin asking you, do you have a favorite road you like to travel? If you do, is it, is it your favorite road because uh, it relaxes you as you travel it? Is it a favorite road because uh, it just puts you at ease? We used to live on Blue Mountain and uh, a lot of snow there in the wintertime. And I had a snowmobile because very often I have to go to prayer meetings or meetings or visit people on my snowmobile. Because uh, we lived back in the forest. We built a house on 25 acres of forest and surrounded by thousands of acres of crown land. In the wintertime, I would take my snowmobile and I'd drive it on the road through our property back to where a stream crossed. And I would sit there and shut off the snowmobile and just relax. I want you to experience what that was like. Just for a moment, I'm going to take you there. Just think you've gone through a snowmobile, you've gone through the snow, through the trees, and then suddenly you come to the stream and you sit there and the engine shuts off and it's quiet. This is what you experience. This is what you see. A little while ago, I was thinking, I'm talking about roads because I was thinking about what would I start this year off in a sermon series? What what was it that I need to be speaking about? And as always, I listen to God because God will be faithful and direct and tell me. 
And a little while ago, I was thinking about this, and I knew when he, I would hear it. When I heard the word that God wanted me to share, I would know it. And that happened a few Sundays ago on our prayer start time when Glenda came to us and brought to us the scripture from Psalm 77, where it says this, your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. And Glenda pointed out to us how it talks about your road. This is referring to the fact that God has a road. Did you know that? God has a road. Uh, and it hit me that, that there are many roads in life we can take. And we, you know, and I've taken some of them and you've taken some of them. And, and we, there's many roads we can venture out on. But there is a road that God has. And as I enter 2021, I want to make sure my life is venturing on that road and not any other road. So I thought we would start talking about on God's road because I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. I want to be where he is going. I want to go where he is leading me. And so we're talking today about how God's road is a thorough way. In other words, number one, it's not a dead end. Psalm 77 refers to the historic time when, when God led his people out of slavery in Egypt and to, to, to journey on this road to a new promised land where they could live in freedom. And when he left the bondage of Egypt, you know, they flee. Pharaoh suddenly changes his, his, his mind, remember? And he starts running after them, trying to bring them back. And when the people realize that Pharaoh's chasing them, they begin to panic and worry. We do that so well. How do I know this? Because the Bible tells me so. We read this. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. What made, us, what made matters worse is that uh, they, they're feeling you know, the pressure of Pharaoh coming and they're fleeing and they come up against this seemingly dead end called the Red Sea. They're what they say is stuck between a rock and a hard place. They have nowhere to go. And the people's response is not one of faith and of hope and trust in God. <laughs> we read this. They cried out to the Lord and he said to Moses, Why? Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? I don't know if they did. What We said, leave us alone. I don't think they did. I think they wanted to leave. Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. The people, I can't believe this, were actually wanting to go back to Egypt where they were beaten and whipped and, you know, just had the thumb of of Egypt on them. They thought that was a better way of life. And they thought that because we forget. I have been guilty. I would confess I've been guilty many times of glorifying the past, wishing I could go back to what I had. And I forget about the trials and the troubles back in those places. You know, I'm so quick to raise high and, and revere those, the past and forget that, no, there were, there were, I mean, a lot of challenges and, and troubles and struggles during that time. And, and we, you know, we want to lament the present and we want to glorify the past, but we forget that the past was full of trials. And more than that, we forget that God allows those trials or cause those trials to strengthen us and prepare us for something better, which lies ahead. 
These Israelite people face their very first challenge, right? They leave Egypt. They're, they're going along. They face the Red Sea and they say, let's go back. Let's just go back to Egypt. Let's, it's better we go back and we're in slavery and bondage and living a miserable life than being here. But we read Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Can you do that? Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue to you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Wow. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Write that verse out and put it on a wall somewhere in your house. The people here, they actually needed this Red Sea. They needed to see God at work on their behalf, God fighting for them now so they will not flounder as they travel ahead and face other challenges in the wilderness on this road to freedom. They need to know now the power of God that they serve. And God has a plan for this. God, God has a purpose in this Red Sea that what they think is a dead end, God has a purpose for it. The Red Sea, how do I know? Because God talks about it, that this is part of, he knew this was coming. This is not a surprise to him. And the Bible tells us, I have planned this, God says. I have planned this. Why? In order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. He, God wanted to show them who he was. He wanted us to see who he was. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. We can't come to a conclusion based upon our circumstances alone. We will look at our circumstances and say, that's it. I'm lost. I'm stuck. There's nothing I can do. I reached a dead end. There's no way out of this. I can tell you this. If you are truly following the road God has for you, then God has a purpose for where you are, even if it seems like a dead end. More than that, he has a plan to carry you to the other side. You see, that is a theme in the scriptures. We just saw a couple of weeks ago, we were reminded when the disciples got into the boat and Galilee, crossed Galilee, faced a huge storm and, and they were so scared, they thought they were going to die. And these were fishermen who were used to being in a boat, who were used to storms, and they thought they were going to die. What they forgot was back on the shore, Jesus said this to them, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. We're not going to go out halfway and drown and die. We're going to the other side. And they had to, uh, either they're tempted to believe the storm or to believe the words of their Lord. And so many times we're tempted to let the circumstances of the storm dictate how we're going to respond. We need to trust the Lord. Even Psalm 23, you know, that great psalm about how God is our shepherd. And, and there's that verse that says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. I love that because it talks about we don't camp in the valley of death. We don't put our stakes up and live there. God's going to walk us through the valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear no evil. Why? Because it says, for you are with me. You are with me, Lord. This is how God works. This is how he works uh, and the people uh, of, the, of the lives back in e who came out of Egypt, out of slavery. We read this. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Right? Get moving. God's road is a throughway. It's not a dead end. Get up. We're moving forward. And we need to keep moving. And, to make, and God will always make it possible for us to do that. He said this to Moses. Moses, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. 
In our text years later in Psalm 77, the psalmist remembers that miracle of God allowing them to get to the other side. And it says in 77 19, your road, God, your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. But God knew it was there. It tells us so in Psalm 77. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. And I just want you to think of the largest obstacle you may be facing right now. You're walking the road that God has for you. You're not being disobedient. You're, you're, you're sure that you're following God as well as as good as you can know. And you see this obstacle. You have this obstacle. And, and, and I want you to understand your obstacle sees your God and it trembles. It, it quakes. It is no match for the power of God. God is our shepherd who leads us through the Red Sea, who leads us through the storm to the other side. God's way is a thorough way, not a dead end. Secondly, God's way is a thorough way. However, it is not a shortcut. I learned this week from uh, the understanding sheep behavior from a fact sheet put up by the Saskatchewan government. You know, there's great places you can find on the Internet. That sheep by nature are followers. Let them follow. Don't drive them as you would cattle. I think we know that. Sheeps tend to be followers. God's road is not often the shortest road. It says in Psalm 77, 20, you led your people along the road, right? We're talking about that, like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. The pathway through the Red Sea was by no way the shortest way to the promised land. However, God knew it was the path they needed to take. So often, you know, this is point A and this is point B and the shortest way is a straight line. But so often God takes us here and there and around and about and back again and forth until we get to point B. It's not always the shortest way, but it will always be the best way to take. God will take us very often on the longer route. It took the people we know 40 years to reach the promised land. They had to walk through wilderness experiences before they'd face the promised land, the goal. And even then, all the adults, except for Joshua and Caleb, when they arrived at that promised land, did not trust God. They again looked at the obstacles even and saw, we can't do this. We can't face these walled cities. We can't face these big people. Even though God had led them through, 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 they would not believe. So God had to put them back out into the wilderness for another 40 years until that old, unbelieving generation died off. Do you know how long it would have taken the people, if they left the, the area where they were in Egypt, to go to the promised land? If they could go as a straight line as it could, it wouldn't take 80 years or 40 years. It would take three weeks of walking to take, to get to the promised land. Three weeks if God took them on the shortest route. Not 40 years, not 80 years. Why did God do this? Well, I am really excited today to introduce to you one of our dear members of our church family, a young girl named Lauren, who is wanting to share uh, with us, you know, what she's hearing from God. And she shared with me a couple of videos a while ago, and one of them just really hit on this subject. So, Lauren, can I use your video for our church message today? She was excited to do it, and I'm really proud of her. Listen to this video as Lauren shares uh, this word to us today. Good morning, church, and a happy new year. I hope you're doing well. Today, I have a word of encouragement from the book of Exodus. And so I'll be reading from Exodus chapter 13, verses 
17 to 18. And just for a bit of context before getting into that, this happens in the days of Moses where the Israelites have just fled from Egypt out of slavery. They're wandering in the wilderness and God is leading them on their way to the promised land. And so starting at verse 17, it says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And so here we see God leading his people. And right now they have two options. They can either take the short road through Philistine country or they can take the long road along the desert path where they'll encounter wastelands. And God decides to take his people down the long road through the desert and the places of dryness. And it also says this, that the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. They were expecting that something was going to take place. There was going to be some kind of battle or confrontation and they were equipped for it. And yet instead, because God took them along the desert road, nothing happened. They encountered a season of nothingness. And I believe that sometimes we can relate to the Israelites where we find ourselves in a season of nothingness in life where we almost wish that something would happen. Um, we're hoping that like, we'll, we'll see the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. And yet instead, as we look ahead, we see a long stretch of desert road in front of us and it can cause us to become hopeless at times and to be tempted to lose trust in God. And yet here we see a beautiful picture of God's character where when he decided to lead his people down the difficult path, it was actually not because he wanted to see them suffer, but because he wanted to take them to the place where their souls would be refreshed and because he was taking them to the promised land and he knew that if they took the shorter path through Philistine country, they might get discouraged, they might be destroyed and turn around and never make it to the promised land. And so I just want to encourage you with this, that oftentimes when we find ourselves in a season of dryness where nothing's happening, it's usually to prepare us for the next season of actually entering into the promises of God. And God's character is unchanging. His plans are always for the good of those who love him. And so I just hope that you can be encouraged by this word, that it blesses you, and that you'll know that God is still at work in your life. And the season of dryness is for a purpose. And it has the purpose of bringing you into the place where your soul will be refreshed. Wow, that was so good, Lauren. What, what, you know, the part I really like what you said is when God decided to lead them along a difficult path, it wasn't because he didn't want to see them suffer, right? But because he wanted to take them to the place where their souls would be refreshed. That is so good. God does not always take the shortest route, but the one we need, the one where we can learn to trust him and follow him and believe him. So what do we talk about today? Well, we talk about those four areas that we want to focus on life groups, celebratory worship. We talk about being a house of prayer and leading our young people and to invest in them. 
And secondly, we learned about how when we follow God's road, it will lead us through the Red Sea. It will lead us through the storm. God is a God who takes you to the other side. That's where his road goes. It's not a dead end. And thirdly, we learned how when we follow God's road, it's not always the shortest road. We wish it could be, but God knows better. He'll take us on the necessary road to follow. So let's take those two minutes. Let's reflect. Let's listen to God and say, Lord, is there something you want me to know today? I'm listening to this message. Is there something you want me to know? And then ask him, what do you want me to do about it? How should I respond? Let's take those two minutes and do that this morning. close in prayer for us today. Oh, Father, as we hear the story of a people who are so much like us, who desire to be set free, and then when we're set free and we face challenges, we want to run back. We just kind of glorify the past and don't realize you've used our past to prepare us for what lies ahead. Lord, let us realize that. Let us trust that your way is not a dead-end way, that your way may not always be the shortest way, but it's the way we need to take, God. Thank you that you love us enough, God, that you have a road that we can follow through 2021. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.